You know, the love of Christ, when you and I experience it, when we uh, receive it into our own hearts and lives, it changes so much. That's what we've been talking about uh, this month, how being in a relationship with Christ gives us a new identity, makes us uh, a new person. And we've said several things already, and and I just want to recap those, and then we're going to change direction a little bit this morning just as a way of reminder. I want you to think about all the things that changed because you are in Christ and Christ is in you. So let's look at that next slide on the screen, just remind ourselves. We've said this every week, so you ready to say it with me again? Hopefully after a month we begin knowing this and, and believing this, that if you have given yourself to Christ, all of these things are true of you. Now, if you've never given yourself to Jesus, none of these things are true of you. So let's look at them and say them together. You ready, church? Christ is in me. I am in Christ. I am a saint. I am spiritually alive. I am fully forgiven. I am rescued from hell. I am given heaven. I am reconciled to God. I am ready to stand before God. I am a member of God's family. And I am completely saved. Now, how excited are you about all that? I mean, it, it, it really is amazing all that happens to us when we give our hearts and our lives to Jesus Christ. We truly are blessed. But is that it? Is, is it just about me as a follower of Jesus being blessed, you as a follower of Christ being blessed? Is it, is it just about me or you being saved and forgiven and ready for heaven? Is it just about you and me as followers of Christ being happy and having fun in life? And I'll be honest, I, I enjoy having fun. I enjoy doing things that, uh, that make me happy. Friday night, uh, Monisa and I with uh, Jeff and Belinda Reinhardt uh, went down to Newberry to the Opera House to see Ricky Skaggs in concert. And uh, Monisa's often said when you go to a Ricky Skaggs concert, in some ways it's like going to a worship service because he's always going to talk about Jesus and gives a very clear testimony. And, 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 and there was just great music, and we, we had a great time. And uh, if you've never read his autobiography, uh, I'd encourage you to. There's some great stories uh, in there. Before, before the concert, we uh, had a really good meal. And, man, the dessert, that, that cup the ice cream it is in was made out of crushed almonds. And the flavor, oh, I'm telling you, I drive an hour and a half back to Newberry just to get that again. It was so good. So, you know, it was a good night. And uh, I ate healthy except for that. And Monisa and I split it, so, hey, not too bad. But, I, you know, I enjoy, I enjoy having fun. I think all of us do, and God wants us to. God's not, uh, you know, a, a being who begrudges you enjoying life and having, having fun. But... Is there more to our existence as followers of Christ than than what pleases us and what's good for us? I mean, because who we are in Christ, this identity in Jesus, everything we said a minute ago is true. So blessed, but 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 is that it? Is is there more? Is, Is my life to be about something more than just me? And we've been saying that our purpose as a church 
is to love God, love people, make disciples. And the truth is the purpose of an individual follower of Jesus is the same as the purpose of the church. Love God, love people, make disciples. God doesn't give one commission, one purpose to the church and a different commission, a different purpose to his followers because we are the church. So it's one and the same. All of us love God, love people, and make disciples. And, and here's the thing. Because that is true, that, that we love God and we love people. And think about it, the great commandment and the great commission. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and then love your neighbor as yourself and the great commission, go and make disciples, right? That's it. All right, think about it. If all of that is true, if you and I love God and we love people and we, we want to obey Jesus, then a big part of our purpose, those of us who identify with Christ, a big part of our, our reason for existing is to help other people be in Christ. To help other people who right now are not in Christ. They are separated from Christ. None of those things we said a moment ago are true of them. That a, that a big reason for our existence as, as people who love God and love people and make disciples is to help them be disciples, help them become followers of Christ and be in Christ. I mean, how, how can you and I love somebody and not want that for them? Hmm? How, how can we honestly, with integrity as followers of Jesus Christ, say we love people but don't understand that part of our reason for being is to help them have everything we already have as followers of Christ. Earlier this week, I went to the, to the doctor, uh, just some blood work and stuff, and I was speaking to the receptionist or whatever you call the person that, that checks you in. I was wearing one of my, my UK, one of my Kentucky shirts. And it came up in conversation this summer. She and her family had visited Kentucky. And so I said, well, you know, we did too. We lived here, but we had visited Kentucky. And we talked about the ark because we went to the ark encounter. And one thing led to another. And I asked her, I said, do you attend church anywhere here in Rock Hill? And she said yes and told me which church. Well, praise God. Last week we went to the movies. And... Um, I was wearing one, you know those uh, I like my church t-shirts many of us have? I was wearing one of those I like my church t-shirts. And I saw this woman, she was with a friend, and she, she was looking at me kind of strange-like. And uh, finally she, she asked, you like your church? Don't you love it? Uh-huh. And I said, well, sometimes I think like is better than love. Because do you have any relatives that you love because you're kin to them, but you don't like them? And not only do I love my church, I like my church. And those aren't the same thing. And so we, we, we had a conversation. And I discovered she'd moved here. She and her friend had both moved here recently from another city. And were looking for a church. And I was able to tell them about ours and invite them to church. Now, that's the doctor's office and a movie theater. Why, why am I having those kind of conversations in those kind of places? Because it's not the traditional Tuesday night visitation, quote unquote. 
Because as a follower of Christ, and we, we love God, we love people, we make disciples. That's just what we do because everywhere we go, every moment of our life, we're on mission for Christ. And whatever opportunities present themselves, we are to seize them. That's what it means to love God and love people. So whether it's at a movie or a doctor's office or anywhere else, see, too often we uh, compartmentalize this, this Jesus thing. And I, and I do the Jesus stuff in these places and at this time, but I don't do the Jesus stuff in these places and at that time. And nowhere, brothers and sisters, nowhere in the Bible do you get that kind of teaching. Our entire lives, every moment of every day, we are in Christ and Christ is in us, and therefore we are about making disciples. And, and go with a mindset of always looking for ways to do that. Now, I want to show you an example of it in the New Testament. So the book of Colossians chapter 1. We've, we've been looking in Colossians all month at what it means to be in Christ. Saw all the things that were on the screen a few minutes ago. But let me give you an example of someone who was in Christ being on mission with Jesus so that others could be in Christ. He wanted others to be in Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verses 5 and following. And by the way, if you have your Bible, whether it's a written Bible, electronic Bible, hold it up and let me see your Bible, whatever version form you have, hold it up. All right. Bring your Bible. I know I put the words on the screen, but bring your Bible because you need to get used to reading your Bible and studying your Bible, okay? Colossians chapter 1, verses 5 and following. He says, because of the hope. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to the believers in the city of Colossae, to the church that was there. And he said, because of the hope laid up for you, laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you just as in all the world also, it constantly is constantly bearing fruit and increasing, even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of God in truth. And just, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow bondservant, who was a faithful servant of Christ. Now let me give you a little background. Colossae was a city in Asia Minor, which today would be modern Turkey. The Apostle Paul had never been to that city. But during his two-year ministry in Ephesus, it was in that region, he had associate missionaries, if you will, who would go out and share the gospel and start churches. One of those was this young man named Epaphras. Now, here's the catch. Epaphras was originally from Colossae. The last chapter of Colossians tells us that. And he had heard Paul preach somewhere else previously and given his heart to Christ and, and Epaphras was in Christ and Christ was in him. And God called him into ministry and now he's working with the Apostle Paul and he went back home. He started telling everybody there about Jesus. And out of that came a church. Now, later, years later, he's with Paul. He didn't stay there. He moved on. He's with Paul, and Paul is writing this letter, and, and Epaphras is with him, and, and, and he's talking to them about Epaphras, one of your own who started that church, your own who first brought the gospel to you and told you all about Jesus Christ, and their lives were changed. Now, now you're going to learn some more things about being in Christ as Paul talks about how the Colossians' lives were changed because of Jesus. In verse 5, let's just look at it really closely he says because of the hope 
the hope that is laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard in the word of truth, the gospel. He said, now, in the past, you heard the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the word of truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. What's the true way to forgiveness, the true way to a new life, the true way to heaven? It's the gospel. There is no other truth. And so they had heard that. They had understood it. They had believed it. And because of that, everything changed. He said at the beginning of verse 5, because of the hope that is laid up for you. Now, what is the hope that is laid up for us? It's all those things that God has promised us that, that will be ours in the future. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. He said, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled. Let's go to the next slide. There you go. Look at that. Look at that really carefully. An inheritance, something that is waiting for you. You don't have it yet. It's out there in the future. It's in heaven. And notice this. It's imperishable. In other words, it'll never, it'll never rot. It'll never decay. It'll never fall apart. It'll never just go away. It's undefiled. It's perfect. Nothing stains it. Nothing is broken in it. And he says that it will not fade away. Any of you have any old photographs and you're concerned because they're starting to fade a little bit? Any old documents and the ink on them is starting to fade a little bit. And he says what, what God has for you in heaven will never, ever fade away. It will look brand new on the one millionth year as it does today. No blemishes, no dirt, no, no defiling of any kind. And notice this, and it's reserved. It's on deposit. It's waiting for you where? Where, church? In heaven, who are protected by the power of God. Now, can you think of anything that can take away from you what's protected by the power of God? So it's safe and it's secure. And what Paul is saying, hey, all of you Christians in the city of Colossae, Epaphras, one of you, he came to you, brought you the gospel, and you believed it. And because of that, you have all of this hope waiting for you in heaven. It's laid up. It's laid up back in Colossians 1, verse 5. It's laid up for you in heaven. And, and, and that word to lay up, it's, it's the idea of laying something aside. Any of you, when you Christmas shop, ever put anything on layaway? Hmm? I used to do that. I haven't done that in a few years. The word literally means to take something and lay it somewhere, put it somewhere, um, and, and, and leave it there for, for the future, for someone to pick up. You ever, you ever left something somewhere and, and, and said so-and-so, the key is there, the whatever it is is there, this is where you'll find it. I put it there, I laid it there, and when you, when you show up, that's where it'll be. That's the image here. That, that God is saying to these believers in Colossae, and therefore to us, because they heard the gospel from Epaphras and they believed it, that God has laid up, he's put over here for them in the future, this inheritance. And it's waiting for them, it's reserved for them in heaven. There's not, there's not a place in the universe that's more safe than heaven. Now, what would have happened if Epaphras became a follower of Jesus because he heard the Apostle Paul talking about Jesus in some city? What would have happened if Epaphras had never gone back to his home and told the people there about Jesus? And who are the people in your life? Because you have heard the gospel and believed it. Whether you believed it at age 7 or 17 or 37 or 77, you've heard the gospel, you believed it, and all of these blessings are true of you. You're in Christ. Christ is in you. You have this hope for you in heaven. You know you're going to heaven, and it's safe and secure, and you have all those blessings. But who is it? 
who is it in your life that has none of those blessings? Because they're not in Jesus, and Jesus is not in you. Who is it God is saying to you, leave where you are and go where they are and share with them the truth of the gospel? Because you love God and you love them so much, you want them to have what you already have. Who is it? Who is it? Now, now in, in verse 6, a continuation of verse 5 where he talked about the gospel which has come to you just as in all of the world also it is constantly bearing fruit and increasing even as it has been doing in you also since the day you heard of it and understood the grace of of God. He's, he's saying, listen, the gospel is changing lives, continuing, continuing to change lives where you live. Continuing to change lives in the city of Colossae. And when, and when it says has come to you, it's interesting. That word is the picture of someone coming up to you and just snuggling up real close. It's, it's, it's like God has come to you, he's saying. God has chosen to come to you and, and the gospel is snuggling up close to you and you've taken it into your heart. And because of that, it continues to bear fruit as, 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 as you share it with people where you are because it's not just what God did in the past when you first heard, but it continues to bear fruit. It's been bearing fruit from the very beginning of, of Epaphras coming there and sharing and, and that sharing has continued so the fruit is still being produced in Colossae, but not just in Colossae, but also throughout the world. He said, just as in all the world. I mean, in other places, the gospel is for everyone. It's local, it's global, it's for every race, it's for every ethnicity, it's for every every class, it's for people of every economic status, it's, it's for everyone. It's even... For those people you love but don't like. It's for everyone. It's for your family, your relatives. It's, it's, it's for that neighbor that uh, can be hard to get along with. Or that neighbor that's just as friendly as can be. It, the gospel is, is, is for your, your co-workers and your classmates. It's for our city, the city of Rock Hill, this area. And it, it is for people beyond here. Yeah. It's for people up in Rochester, New York, where we're helping that church. It's for people in Birmingham, England, where we're helping that church. Why? Because that's, that's what happens when you love God and you love people. You don't keep it to yourself. And you don't keep it just to your kind. There's no love in that. So, they have this inheritance. We have this inheritance. But brothers and sisters, I have relatives who don't have that inheritance waiting for them. I have neighbors who don't have that inheritance waiting for them. Now, to my knowledge, I don't have any co-workers. <laughs> but many of you do. 
he says in, in the middle of verse 6 that it's constantly bearing fruit and increasing. It's the picture, it, it, it's the image that the gospel is like a seed you plant and it just grows. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said about the gospel in Romans 1.16? He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the story of Jesus, the, the truth of the of the message of salvation. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The only power that can save anyone from hell and give them heaven, the only power that can take anyone who is a sinner and give them true forgiveness, the only power that can take someone outside of Christ and put them in Christ is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel, this good news of Jesus has a power that, that when it's announced, when it's shared, when it's proclaimed, works. The Bible says that God's word never returns void. Now, we believe God created us with free will. People are going to make decisions for themselves. But here's the thing. Nobody can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ without God doing something in their heart, whether they believe it or not. But when they believe, the power of God changes them and places them in Christ and grants them that inheritance in heaven. The power is in the gospel. It's not in me. It's not in you. It's not in the church. It's not in our organizations. It's not in our activities. It's not in our traditions. The power is in the gospel. The Bible says, and the Apostle Paul in Ephesians said that the Word of God, listen, God's Word is, is the sword of the Spirit. You, you want a, a weapon that the Holy Spirit uses? It's His Word. It's the Gospel. It's, it's sharing the truth of Christ. Nothing else. And so after all of that, he says, just listen, listen, just like you learned it from Epaphras in verse 7. He said, this, this Gospel that has been unleashed in the world, this seed that continues to grow among you, Continuing to bear fruit among you there in the city of Colossae, this seed that is that is growing all around the world, Epaphras, is the same way it is happening now, the same way it happened in the past when Epaphras brought it to you. Who brought the gospel to you? Because I'm going to tell you something. There's not one person in this room today saved and in Jesus but that someone brought the gospel to you. Who brought it to you? Who brought it to you, brothers and sisters? For many of us, it was several someones, wasn't it? So let me ask you something. Name one person to whom you're taking the gospel. Name one person God's put on your heart and he's saying, take the gospel to that person. Name someone in the last five years that came to faith in Christ because God used you to take the gospel to him or her. Or are we doing the opposite of what Epaphras did, keeping it to ourselves? I'm saved, I'm forgiven, I'm rescued from hell, I'm gained, I'm given heaven. There's an inheritance that reserved for me and I'm protected by the power of God. And praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, I'm saved, but I don't care about anybody else being saved. 
Love God, love people, make disciples. 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 One of my names is Tommy. Who's one of your names? Romans 10, 14, and verse 17. How then will they call in him on him? And notice this. We often use this when we have a missions conference, but you know this verse is not just about missions. If you put it just about missions, you miss it. This verse is about you and me, not only globally but locally. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? I mean, nobody can believe in Jesus you know, they have to believe, but, but, but something precedes that. When they believe, they'll call him, but how will they believe in him who they've not heard? They can't believe it. They never hear. And how will they hear without a preacher? And a preacher is not me. That word means somebody who announces. When you talk to somebody, you're announcing, you're preaching. In verse 17, faith comes how? By hearing and hearing how? By the word of God. By the way, if you want your Christian faith to get stronger, get in God's word every now and then. How do, you, how do you expect your faith to ever grow if you just ignore God's word? Don't read it, don't obey it, don't study it, don't learn it, don't memorize it, don't pray over it. But when a lost person places their faith in Christ, it's because they hear the gospel, they hear the truth, they hear the word of God because somebody announced it. And when, when they hear it, and they choose to believe it, they call on Christ and they're saved and all of a sudden they're in Christ. Christ is in them. They're fully forgiven, rescued from hell, given to heaven, inheritance in heaven reserved for them. Do you get how it works? That's God's eternal economy of evangelism, of salvation. That's how it's always worked. That's how it still works. That's how you got saved and that's how the people in your life, in your world, and your sphere of influence who need Jesus will be saved. Is there one of these cards in the chair pouch in front of y'all? Y'all look, give me a nod. Do y'all see little cards like this? They're there. Grab one of those right now, would you? I just want you to hold on to it for the rest of the sermon. And one side has some writing for me, but the other side, the bottom half of it has a place for you to put somebody's name. Who's your one name? That's where my Tommy would go. Who's your one name? Who's your one name that God wants you to take the gospel to. Now, let me wrap this up real quickly and uh, show you something really important. In, in Colossians chapter 4, Colossians chapter 4, because I'm asking you to pray for that one person. Look in Colossians chapter 4. Don't have time for all of this, but real quickly, verses 3 and 4. Praying it all, uh, Praying at the same time, in verse 2, he told them to devote themselves to prayer. And uh, then in verse 3, praying at the same time for us. Paul, he's saying to the Colossians, would you pray for me and pray for my other associates, part of my, for my team? Be like me asking you, pray for me and pray for our pastoral staff. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open a door to us for the word. Open a door, an opportunity. 
or the Word, the Gospel, the truth of God, a conversation, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ because Jesus is a mystery to lost people for which I have also been in prison. Paul was in jail when he was writing this. He, and and, and get, get that. Now, Paul's in jail. What, what is he wanting to do? He's wanting to make the gospel known to those he encounters in the jail. Again, not just Tuesday night visitation, anytime, anywhere, with anyone. Verse 4, that, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Paul is saying, would you pray that me and those with me have opportunities to share the gospel and, and that we speak it clearly. In other words, don't, we, we, don't, don't, we don't want to mumble and hem and haw. We, we want to have such confidence in God and in the power of the gospel and the truth of the word of God that, as he said in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation. And he said, give us, pray that God gives us opportunities, that we seize those, seize those opportunities, and we don't mumble. We just speak. We're not embarrassed. We're not ashamed. We're excited that all those things that, that happen to us because we're in Christ are real and true. And whether the people we encounter know it or not, we want them to have the same thing. And so we're not going to be ashamed of this gospel, and, and we're going to talk. We're going to pray, pray that we talk, and we, and we don't mumble and pray that God gives us opportunities and that we grab, we seize those things. <clears throat> Opportunities. Now, here's some principles, if you will, of, of praying for evangelistic opportunities. First, pray for other believers. Look around the room right now, okay? Go ahead and look around. You have, you have my permission to stare at people. Go ahead, stare at somebody. The Bible's teaching that you're supposed to be praying for that other believer. And one of the things you need to be praying for is for them to have evangelistic opportunities. For them to have open doors and to be able to speak clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another principle is you need to be asking other believers to pray the same thing for you. And then third, pray that prayer for yourself. We, we pray about so many things in church, and we should. Why do, why do we not pray about that? See, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The hardest thing, the hardest thing to get Christians to do is what God tells us to do. Go and make disciples. We like for everybody else to do it but us. So, I want you to pray for Tommy in my conversations with Tommy. I want to pray for you in your conversations. That's why I'm asking you to put a name on this card and put your name. So I see Brother Billy Hegwood sitting down here. If Billy puts a name on that card, when I pray for that person, I know I'm praying for one that Billy thinks about, and I'm praying for God to give Billy an opportunity to talk to that person. And in a moment when we have our invitation, I'm going to ask you to bring your card and place it on the altar, and I'm promising you that once a week I'm going to take all of these cards and I'm going to pray for you and the person God puts on your heart for open doors and conversations. And I want you to pray for me and Tommy. We need to be praying for one another. 
Brothers and sisters, why do we exist? Love God, love people, make disciples. Love God, love people, make disciples. If this isn't the essence of it, please tell me what is. You want to learn more about prayer? Mid-September, Saturday, September 15, Ann Graham Lotz is going to be at the Coliseum, went to the Coliseum. A workshop that morning on, on effective praying, praying for how to pray for our city, how to pray for revival, how to pray for lost people. You can register. We have tickets in the back at the Next Steps table. I think the tickets are $10 uh, for the event and everything you need. So stop back there and see Brother Steve at the Next Steps table and get your tickets and uh, come and learn how to pray that day. But bring, bring your card. I want to pray for you, and I want you to pray for me. Now, don't bring a card just to bring it. Bring a card with a name on it and with your name on it because you know God's put that person on your heart. On your mind. And let's just start showing the world that we really do love Jesus and we really do love people and we really do want to make disciples. There may be other things you need to pray about, want to pray about here at the altar. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Brother Steve and the team's coming to lead us. When we sing this song, pastors will be here at the front. I'm here. Make your way to the altar. Place your card. Just lay it across the front here. Pray. Kneel, kneel at the altar. Sit in one of these chairs if you can't kneel and pray and talk to the Lord. So let's stand. And if there's no name on your heart right now, Pray and ask God to put one there. Okay? Ask God to put one there. Let's sing it.